In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, and it is SEC Championship Game Week. It is Championship Week all throughout college football. And with us today to talk through all of that is the Athletics' Seth Emerson. Seth, welcome back to the show. Hello, Seth. Uh, whenever you introduce yourself as Seth Saunders, I'm like, are you saying my name wrong? But no, no, that's that's your name. Yeah, it's the rare occasion where you're you're in the same space with with another Seth. I, I don't mm-hmm. find many, but uh, gl- glad that you're one of them for sure. Uh, we chatted back in Nashville at Media Days. Yes. And if we were if we could go back in time and have that conversation again, and I told you this Georgia player is having the year that they are having, you would say no way. Who is that player for you this year? Wow. Um, Beck was the one that we wondered about, but I think you could have taken his stats now. I'm not sure taken is a word, taken what his stats are now and told us in July, these will be his stats. You'd go, "Mm, okay, all right. Um, Malachi Starks has had a really good year. He's announced as a uh, Jim Thorpe finalist. Last year as a freshman, you saw some signs of it, but you also saw some questions about dependability. He's taking care of the dependability thing. Uh, man, um, did you have a name in mind? Uh, is there someone that you think about? Yeah, I, I think I'll the offensive line in general has been really good, especially if you like accounted for the injuries. If you told him, if you told us Amarius Mims would be out six games and the O line would play yeah. this way you'd be surprised. Yeah, I'll tell you one I didn't see coming is probably Tyke Smith. Uh, I think given yeah. the impact yeah. that he's yeah. had, that's that's not one I would have earmarked beginning of the year. And I'll be honest with you, Seth, if, if we're having an honest conversation, I don't know that I would have pegged Kamari Laster to have the type of year that he's had. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be shut down corner, put yes. himself in the top 50 of the NFL draft conversation, I don't think I would have predicted level. that. Yeah. Yeah, he's taking yeah. it to another level. Tyke a little bit more. Tyke was a guy yeah. that I know injuries were, you know, were a reason that he wasn't on the field, but there was an adjustment period for him after he transferred from West Virginia. He has, you know, he other than some hiccups here and there, which like when you play defense at Georgia, hit Smith has not had many of those hiccups, but like I think mm-hmm. it was on him, the Vanderbilt touchdown to open it. And the uh and Dalen Everett has, you know, become kind of the whipping boy just because he's the other guy. He's the other cornerback. Yeah. And when you play at Georgia, when the other team is going to need to pass more to get back into games, particularly with Georgia's offense this year, and when Georgia's defensive strategy is geared around stopping the run, the the secondary is going to be exposed. You're 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 going to give up some plays in the secondary, and and Tyke has not given up many. And Dalen Everett, relative to people may think hasn't actually given up as many people think either, but Lasseter has been shut down. Yeah. 
The if I was going to give you one on offense, probably the name I would throw out, just given how I feel like Kirby is the type where if you read the context clues, you kind of have to figure out what he's trying to say. And I just thought a lot of the language that he had placed around Rara Thomas's availability and readiness in the offense mm-hmm. post spring throughout the summer. I didn't expect he would have the flashes that he's he's yeah. had and to be at the point where with him being questionable coming into Saturday that we go, man, would love to have Rara. You know, like yeah. I, I just I don't know that that's one I would have picked. I know that was a huge addition to the transfer portal. He obviously had a monster year at Mississippi State last year. But just given some of the stuff Kirby had said, I, I don't know that I had expected that. Maybe throw Dylan Bell in that conversation too. Yeah. Although there was a lot of positive things being said about him post G-Day. So Maybe, maybe less so, but boy, he has been really a placeholder given the fact that Ladd hasn't been in every week going to go, you know, 60, 65 snaps type thing. Well, even Dejon Edwards, if you look at yeah. what he's done and how impactful he was until the last few weeks, and he's still been impactful, but Kendall Milton has fully healthy, really emerged the last few weeks. But Dejon Edwards did miss the first two games, but those were, you know, it was Ball State and UT Martin. Um, but in that period, like those middle eight games really emerged as a really good running back. Um, and the questions you had in the preseason about you know, Milton's availability, uh, the, talking about how much impact maybe Paul might have coming back or Roderick Robinson. And then it turns out that as we're sitting here right now, Dejanon Edwards and Kendall Milton are a really good top two. Yeah, boy, Kendall Milton has been a revelation the past few weeks. I mean, I think it's the it's the Kendall Milton everybody anticipated, yeah. and I think this is what if this is what he looks like healthy, oh boy, look out. You know, I mean, in some ways, I've thought about could he end up being a 2014 Ezekiel Elliott type, right, where he gets healthy at the right time and just explodes onto the national scene during the playoff run. Uh, well, hopeful playoff run. Obviously, a lot of that's going to hinge on Saturday. But, man, mm-hmm. I, and good for him, too, because yeah. he's weathered all that and had a great attitude and been a good teammate. Yeah. And so, I don't know, happy for the kid. And it's been that's been great to see. Um, speaking of Saturday, you have, you know, seen a lot of these and witnessed kind of the buildup and all these type things. Does this one feel different than the ones in the past? Or are there still some of those lurking potholes that sit out there? You know, it it definitely feels different from the other Alabama SEC championship matches, matchups. Um, and I guess there were only two, 2018 and 2021. Um, you kind of lumped 2017 in there, but that was natty. Uh, mm-hmm. And those all seemed like hump games. Those all seemed like big games for the program. And obviously the national championship in 2022 uh, season or 2021 season um, against Alabama was huge for the program going in. This one feels, uh, this just feels like another SEC championship. Now mm-hmm. it's against Alabama, but you don't hear people talking about their trepidation and angst. And I'm addressing this in my mailbag because there is someone saying, or, you know, should I feel angst or do I feel angst about it? Cause it's saving over there, but it's, it's angst that Georgia's season at un at 12 and 0 
could still end not in the playoffs and the hopes for a three-peat end because they play a really good team in the SEC championship. I don't hear so much that it's Alabama as in the nemesis, the team that, you know, can they ever beat them, blah, 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 because they did two years ago. And in those intervening two years, uh, Alabama's looked fairly mortal. And I think a lot of Georgia fans kind of deep down say, we're better than this team. Um, and if they lose on Saturday, which very well could happen, that it won't be because Alabama has some hex over Georgia or Nick Saban's a better coach than Kirby Smart. It'll be because football, something happened. Like there was yeah. bad turnovers. Uh, you know, this unit didn't do well. They didn't contain Jalen Milrow. Um, the offense picks a bad day to have a bad day, have its really first bad day in a while. Um, yeah. In that sense, yes, it 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 feels a lot different. It's it's not a no pressure situation the way last year was against LSU because you knew Georgia was in no matter what, and you, know, you also felt like Georgia was a prohibitive favorite in that game. Um, but the pressure is all about this season's goals. It's not about like the program is going to fall down if they don't win. Yeah. I think too, it's, uh, um, the giant looks different now. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of that's because they finally slayed it, but I also think they just look mortal. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's something that you couldn't say about a lot of those Nick Saban coach teams in the teens. Uh, they were just, and I think some of that started with line of scrimmage. I, I just don't look at this Alabama team and go, boy, we're, we're, we're fixing to get pushed around for the next, you know, 60 minutes. I, I just, yeah. I don't see that. I think Georgia's line has depth and, and will be just fine. And, um, yeah, I, I just don't. They don't have the maulers that you're used to seeing them have where they go. It doesn't matter who we have on the edge. We're going to control a lot of scrimmage and do what we want. And yeah. I think that part of it's different for sure. But I do think you bring up a valid point about winning that game in the 21 season in the national title game to just there was so much unspoken, I feel like, downward pressure mm -hmm. about that specific team. And – we had always talked about on, on our show that I want it to be them that we beat in some type of game like that, because absent that, that'll always be there. It'll always mm -hmm. linger. And I feel like they've been different since then. They, they really truly can step into this. We're the opponent, right? Mm -hmm. Like nameless faceless opponent. It's just us. We do what we do and it'll be fine. And I think there's some merit to that. I, you, you posted an article this week about Jalen Milrow and the possibility of the challenges that he, that he brings out. And I think that was dead on, you know, I think he is a combination of the things that have given them the most trouble. Mm -hmm. um, where, where do you see their vulnerability on defense the most with what Alabama is currently built to do? You know, they're, let me see if I can remember, pull up the numbers because I have them going in my mailbag. Alabama is second in the SEC in both defensive yards per pass and rushing yards per attempt. Um, no, let me, sorry, they're, they're second in passing defense, fourth in rushing defense, second overall. Um, scoring wise, though, they've given up at least 20 points to their last six SEC opponents. Um, and I think it was 
17 to uh, the one before that. Um, their best game was 10 to Ole Miss. So, I mean, they're gettable. Um, it's, yeah. it's a balanced defense, but their strength would is pass rush with Dallas Turner and just overall their sacks, um, 30-something sacks. But that goes against one of Georgia's strengths, which is right. O-line, um, and right. pass defense, which is, you know, kind of – that's what you saw play out in the Tennessee game where Tennessee's – pass rush and sack numbers were very good. And then Georgia just held up. Um, and this is with Amarius Mims now back pretty much at full strength. It seems like um, right. he's had two, three games starting at this point since he had the surgery. Uh, it, it's just gotta be a game where Georgia plays its game. And the, the great thing about the Georgia offense is they are not It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Most of the season, it was pass first, and the run was just something to complement it, but you knew that the pass was the strength. The way that the running game has looked with Kendall Milton now complementing Dejon Edwards the last few games, Georgia's in the position where it can be the classic, you know, take what the defense is giving them. If if the pass is struggling a little bit, then they can lead a little bit on the run or the other way around. Um, and, you know, if Alabama ends up getting some stops and, and having more success against Georgia's offense than expected, then, yeah, Georgia may be in some trouble because I think this Georgia defense has shown that it's going to do enough to allow its offense to put the game away. But they've given up at least 10 points to, I don't remember however many, but like, you know, maybe every SEC opponent, um, you know, Vanderbilt got points, uh, Auburn got points. It's, it's, but their max that they've given up is 23. So there's a certain consistency there that they haven't been blown up. So it's, it's look, it's a game Georgia could lose, but it's a game that if Georgia plays, it's a game. I think they're going to win. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that, and, and this has been something we've kind of submitted over the last month, and that's, to us, the only team left on Georgia's schedule that can beat Georgia is Georgia. If they if they do what they're supposed to do, they're the best football team in America. I, I don't think yeah. there's any questioning that. Um, it's just like, to your point, though, that they haven't had a game like that yet, right, where they've lost the turnover battle and it's hurt them or mm-hmm. Carson has had a bad game or put them in situations where it flipped the field enough to hurt them. And just haven't really dealt with that, you know, and I think one of the craziest things for me, and maybe it'd make a good mailbag question, but I'd love to know where Georgia sits in punts nationally. I just feel like Brett Thorson has not punted a lot at all. Yeah. Um, Georgia's offense has been magnificent from an efficiency perspective. Yeah, they just announced the uh, Ray Guy uh, candidates, and you knew that he wasn't going to be one of the finalists because he just has, right. he hasn't been allowed to. I, I could tell you right here, uh, Georgia has punted um, da, 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 ha, the third least times in the country, 27. Yeah. Um, Oregon, 
at 26 and LSU at 21 are the only ones who have punted less. Uh, and that's not because of a massive amount of turnovers or, and, you know, and, and you don't actually hear much about Georgia's red zone offense being a problem either. Like there's, you know, yeah. there's games here and there, but you know, they've been pretty productive there. They just, they've, I mean, they're averaging over 40 points a game. Um, you know, it's, it's been really good. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it, it's when you were saying the only team that can beat Georgia's itself, you know, I mean, we'll see if they play a, a Michigan and somehow Michigan's style. I'm skeptical of Michigan against Georgia because Michigan is built too much like Georgia. And I don't think you can out Georgia, Georgia. I think yeah. you need to play the way Ohio state does. Uh, yeah. You need to play a little bit the way Alabama does where you've got the same amount of, you, you can match them in talent as can Ohio state, but you can be a little more spectacular on offense too. Um, and do some different things on offense that give Georgia's defense some problems. Um, but I, when you were saying that, I was kind of thinking about Missouri. Missouri played about a, as well, and they yeah. have that style. That they have that style of yeah. offense. Missouri played about as well as it could against Georgia, and they still lost. I don't think Missouri came away from that game feeling anything other than we just don't have their talent level. But yeah. the talent they did have played really well, and they schemed well and everything. Georgia is in the opposite end, which is if, yeah, like you said, if they play up to their ability, no one can beat them. We talked a little bit about Carson. I, I want to ask you this. I, I think we all anticipated the NFL arm, and he can make all the throws, and, and we knew all of that. But have you been struck by A, his mobility and escapability one, and then two, and I think this is the one that has stuck with me the most through, with his progression throughout the year, but his command of the offense. I mean, he has made multiple checks in games this year that put them in fantastic situations. The one I remember off the top of my head, and I, I, I think it was the Mizzou game. I could be misremembering this, but he makes a check at the line to, I, I think they went check, run to pass and or check run from one side to the other. It's a handoff to Dejon Edwards, and he essentially goes untouched over the right side, 20-yard touchdown run. Mm -hmm. And I, I've just been really, really impressed with his gravitas within the offense. And, and again, I, I don't think that's something I would have told you when we chatted back in July. No, and that's a good point. And the mobility part definitely is the surprise to me. Um, he He is so – he has been so smart about when he runs. There's only been like one or two times – when you're like, oh, he he decided too quickly to go. But you you never, it seems, I can't at least immediately think of a time where he stayed in the pocket too long. Um, and when he does run, he, I mean, even against Georgia Tech the other day, he had a long run where he he got away from, a, a, I think it was a linebacker. And you're like, oh, okay. You know, he's got, you know, it's not just about making the smart decision when to run. It's, it's there's some mobility there. Um, I mean, it's not Stetson Bennett level, but it's, it's, faster than JT Daniels to throw him yeah. out of the bus. Um, <laughs> but he was, you know, JT had the, the surgeries, so that's a little unfair, but, um, but you're right about his command of the offense and just his, his performing when the lights are on um, mm -hmm. performing under pressure, which I think yep. when I was making the rounds over the summer and people would ask me about Beck, I'd say, well, that's the question. I think no one questions yeah. the arm. Um, and, and probably no one questions his command of the offense, or at least his knowledge of the offense, having been yeah. in the system for three years and everyone knew that it wasn't really changing from 
Monk and DeBobo. Um, but it was how he would do that clutch gene that mm-hmm. Stetson had. Yep. And Carson's shown it. He showed it in the South Carolina game. He showed it down the stretch against Auburn. Um, this team has had to do things playing from behind, not like, you know, not even the way they had to against Missouri and Ohio state last year, their deficits have not been that big as late in games. It's been more that like the Auburn game was close for a while. Uh, South Carolina was 14, three at the half. Um, and I, I, I keep thinking back to that video that the SEC network took of halftime of the locker room against South Carolina yeah. to show Carson Beck and he winks at the camera. This yeah. is a guy who is in his third start. This is his first time under a real pressure situation. He, it was almost like unearned confidence that he's mm-hmm. just winking at the camera and he's showing swagger and like, I got this. And it's like, if that guy's like that at that point, that kind of bodes well for down the stretch. Yeah, and it was difficult to quantify with Stetson, and it's obviously difficult to quantify with Carson, but it just feels to me like because of that, he's got this innate charisma or swag or whatever you want to call it that then allows his teammates the ability to say, hey, this is our guy. Like, we're going to file up behind him, and he's going to take us where we want to go. And, you know, you you can't put a price on that. You can't measure that. It's just, but you have to have it. You need it. And so I, I think that's been that's been a big deal. Um, all right, I want to nail you down. If you're going to forecast and tell us what the game is going to look like Saturday, how do you see things going? Um, I, I my new kick is I'm not a predictions guy. I'm a percentages guy. Yeah. Uh, which in you know because when you make a prediction, it's like you know oh you know so and so predicted this and blah 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 and then was wrong. I'm like I like the percentages thing. Like for instance, it was 100% Georgia was going to beat UT Martin. Um, it was like 90%, they were going to 90%, they were going to beat South Carolina. And for a while that 10%, like, so you, whenever the upset happens, you can say, Hey, Hey, I said, um, so where I've landed is 65% chance for Georgia in this game. Um, and I see a game that's in the twenties or thirties, um, for both teams that, you know, that doesn't mean that you don't get an unexpectedly. Uh, if anybody out here is using this to decide whether to bet the over or the under, you know, sometimes you have those games where the offenses do well enough to move the ball, but not quite get in the end zone. So that means the other offense has more yardage to go. And then you have long drives, which you could see with both teams here, Um, uh, maybe a little bit less so with Alabama, but maybe against Georgia's run defense that happens. But anyway, um, I I see a game where Georgia – covers the spread uh but not handily but you just it never feels like Georgia's gonna lose the game um but again when I say 65 percent chance for Georgia it means 35 percent chance for Alabama which is one of the few teams out there that has as much talent as Georgia so yeah and it's a huge game because good it it I think at this point, if Georgia loses, I think they're likely out unless Florida State and Texas both lose. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a you got to handle your own business type thing. I don't think this is one where you want to be leaving it to chance and waiting around. I just, man, I think a lot of things will have to happen for the SEC to get two in. And you just can't tell me they're they're leaving out a one loss SEC champion. I just I don't foresee that. 
Last question, and I know this is all speculative, but if you had to put odds on it, which of the walking wounded for Georgia is most likely to see the field on Saturday? Uh, Bowers is the easy one. Uh, I think he uh, was held out. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Um, McConkey and Thomas, I don't know about. Uh, they seem slightly under 50-50 at this point. It's not encouraging yeah. that they weren't even in uniform. Um, mm-hmm. uh, after that, Tate Ratledge, you know, if Georgia's offensive line were like in a dire state, I would say like close to hundred percent Tate Ratledge plays, but he, you know, as good as he is, that old line is, has played pretty well. That old line has handled its business with Marius Mims out for six yeah. games. Um, so that could be a case where they don't force it with him. Um, or I don't know, they may, they may throw him in there. It may be all hands on deck. Um, but I would go in that order Bowers, then Ratledge, uh, then McConkey, then Thomas. Um, I don't think Jamon Dumas Johnson is, is ready to play. I mean, Kirby has been coy about him this week, so maybe he's pulling out all the stops on Saban, but, um, reading the available tea leaves, that's the way I'd rank everything. All right, Seth, well, we always appreciate your insight. Before we let you go, please tell our listeners how they can support you. Uh, at theathletic.com. Hopefully you're a uh, subscriber at this point. Our, our Cyber Monday, Black Friday sale just finished, but I'm sure we'll have one in December. And uh, Yeah, just go to The Athletic. I, there's too many social media is a mess at this point. I won't plug any of those uh, outlets at this point until all that <laughs> clears up. Well, and if y'all are not already athletic members, just to uh, be reading Seth stuff, you are not listening to our show because that is compulsory reading for our show. We, we've always enjoyed your work, regardless of the publication that you were at. Um, it's it's always outstanding, Seth. And we appreciate you taking time to chat with us about the, the title game this week. All right. Thank you. Hey, George is better now. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.